You are listening to the Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Football Podcast with John Pemba and Andrew Cooper. What's going on, everybody? John and Pemby here with Andrew Cooper back at it again. Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Football Podcast here. Uh, Coop, what is this? Is this episode three already? I mean, things are flying by. Four? I think, three or four? I think it's four. I think four. it's actually, I think we had this discussion last week. Yeah, we did. Talking about how it was three. So, yeah, and four I here. I keep forgetting. You know, we had the new site launch at Fantasy Line this week, so like my brain is a little bit, a little scrambled from uh, getting all that together there. Hopefully, everybody listening is enjoying the new Fantasy Line, new DFS alarm, wager alarm, the launch of the site here to help everything uh, flow a little bit easier. Find all the content a little bit easier. If you're a seasonal player, you go to uh, Fantasy Alarm. All your seasonal content's there. If you're a DFS player, you click on DFS Alarm. Right there, all the DFS content. You, of course, can find this podcast that you're listening to on the uh, Seasonal Fantasy Alarm site. So that was that was the big news of the week for uh, Fantasy Alarm Coop. But we're here to dig into some more best ball. I did a best ball draft earlier this week with Justin Fensterman. We've been talking best ball over the last couple of podcasts. And now we're just going to kind of break down, go round by round. Oh, take a look at the draft that I did. I want to hear your analysis. Picks you like, picks you didn't like, some more strategy that you're taking in your best ball draft. But before we kick all of that off, how are you doing, Coop? I'm doing good. And yeah, I mean, I love the new site, the Fantasy Alarm layout there. And that if I hear one more Redditor whining about the way the Fantasy Alarm website looks after the new change and how nice everything is and how clean it is, they're dead to me. You know, <laughs> but I'm done with the site. Because, you know, that's been the number one complaint that I usually get from Reddit was the site. And now when you look at it, looks beautiful so reddit let us know what you think if it's going to work for you because you know this is basically for you so. and give it a and give it a minute right like people you know some of the, the common feedback that we've got is like oh well i don't know where to find things well yeah i mean that it's a new site everybody when they first go to a site they have to figure out where things are but once you know where it is it's easy to find because we made it that way so give it a chance poke around click some buttons get in the content get in dfs alarm get on fantasy alarm and get used to it let's just jump into it here again we're gonna be talking mostly basketball mostly gonna get your reactions here to the draft that i did over on underdog fantasy i did this again with justin fensterman in this as well as a 12 team Half point PPR league, you know, Coop in the first round, I'm going to go over the first round picks here. Tell me if there are any surprises for you, you know, picks you like, picks you didn't like, any any ADP interesting plays that come through here. So, you know, so to just to, so people don't get lost in the sauce, maybe we yeah. should do six picks at a time, like yeah, first yeah, half, of first round, second, sure. you know, that way it's yeah. a, if you knock out all 12, it's like by the time you get to the last name, people are like, who is second? Who's number one? Yeah, no, no, that's, yeah, that's yeah. a good we'll, point. Yeah, we'll Again, go six. I was getting ahead of myself there. So number pick number one, I think chalk here, Christian McCaffrey, right? No, no qualms there. I don't think with that pick. Uh, number two went Dalvin Cook. Number three went Derrick Henry. Four went Alvin Kamara, which is again basically your current, you know, standard ADP. That's where guys are going. Five went Saquon Barkley, and then six is maybe the first shock of the draft. Devontae Adams wins six here, Coop. So anybody stick out to you, maybe out of place, a pick you like, a pick you don't like? Yeah, so, I mean, just uh, real quick for everybody out there, Underdog Fantasy is a it's a best ball format, so it throws away the bad weeks, puts in the good weeks, and it's also a half PPR format. So typically, you know, people that follow me or read my stuff, they would, you know, they would immediately think that I wouldn't pick Derrick Henry there. And to be honest, I probably wouldn't take him at three, but in half PPR you know, versus full PPR, same thing with DraftKings versus full PPR. This is the format where he is at best. So, you know, I don't really hate it. The Devontae Adams pick, you're, you're betting on 
Aaron jo- Aaron Rodgers being there. And for me, I've actually seen Devontae Adams actually go in the second round in these drafts. So I'm not taking Adams there. I'm not taking Henry there. I'm not taking Adams there. Any of the other guys, you know, I'm cool with it. But that's the other thing about when we talk about these picks is that there's a big difference between a reach versus an egregious pick, right? Like Derrick Henry, if you're picking third and you want Derrick Henry, there's no chance he's ever coming back. Same with Devontae Adams to a certain degree. So it's not like you picked a guy that you could have got next round in this first round. So again, you can't really skewer people in the top six, you know? Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, I think there's, you, I mean, you said you got Devontae Adams in the second round. I think there's a chance that as, you know, more news breaks on this Aaron Rodgers situation that we could see Adams fall into the middle of the second round, you know, like we sure we, we know his upside with Rogers, but what's his upside with Jordan Love or Blake Bortles, you know, like, you know, what are, what are we looking at for, for production there? So, you know, to me, that, that was definitely a surprising pick, you know, like we mentioned to your point, you know, I, I think your strategy there of, you know, if you're picking at the ends of rounds and there's basically, you know, two whole rounds to go before you pick next in reaching, I agree with that sentiment more. So once we get past the first couple rounds, I feel like, you know, because then like, you know, those picks to me matter more than the early picks, you know, you're going to get talented players in the early picks, you know, unless there's an injury or whatever like that. But when you get in the middle rounds, you know, that's really where like you have like my guys, like you go out and get like your guy, you know, and, and if you don't think you have an opportunity to draft that person, you know, in the sixth round, because you're drafting at the end of the fourth round, you know, and, and you look at the, you know, the, your team build up and the guys that are available, then you go ahead and sort of make that that reach or, or pick, you know, but the first or second round, I feel like you can grab good players really up along the way. Right, right. I mean, I, so I guess I'm, I'm right there with you 100%. And especially in a redraft league, I guess the only thing I'd add is that in redraft, you know, when you pick first or second, you take Christian McCaffrey when he's there, because yep. in redraft, you can trade him. You know what I mean? Right. So it's like, even if you don't like him, you take him and you trade him for value. In this, there's no trading. It's best ball. So right. it, whoever you take, you got to live with them. So, you know, but I, I agree with you there with Adams. You can, If you can see him in the next round, then you, you don't need to take him there. So, you know, let's move on to the next section. Yeah, that's fine. So we got next couple picks here. Travis Kelsey went seven. I picked eighth in this draft. I took Ezekiel Elliott at eight. Cam Akers went nine. Jonathan Taylor went to Fenstey at 10. Tyreek Hill went 11. And rounding out the first round, Nick Chubb there. Uh, Coop, again, we've talked a lot about Zeke's ADP getting here at eight. I'll take him there all day, every day. You won't even have to ask me twice. I think this is just a fantastic spot to get him. Was there any other surprises for you in the second half of this first round? So, you know, the second half was actually pretty chalky there. You know, we both love Zeke. Uh, I think we've already talked about him on the podcast. We don't have to go too deep into that. But uh, I actually have as I'm now I'm actually moving him up to the point where I'm considering him at four above Saquon just, you know, uh, knee injuries, you never know. We haven't seen him out running yet. So, but still, you know, the most of these picks are pretty good. For me, uh, Travis Kelsey here, I'll use the pick here to make a point, which for me is that I do a ton of tight end work, as you know. You know, me and Howard Bender, we're thinking tight ends, talking tight ends all the time, right? Uh, the tight end whisper consortium to a certain degree. So for me, I don't take Kelsey in the first round because I feel that I can generate value later on at the position. And that goes for anyone out there that you should play to your strengths, right? If you think that you can identify late round quarterbacks or late round running backs, or, you know, you think that you can wait on wide receivers and get them, play to your strengths and don't make that pick early. For somebody that doesn't really want to think about tight end, they don't want to draft multiple in a best ball format, I have no problem with them taking Kelsey, you know, in the the first round because he's been a first round talent for years, you know, so 
my my point on that is that I like even when I say like I said before with the the differing of opinions and the egregious reaches, I don't mind Kelsey there at all for someone else. I'm just not going to do it myself because I put in so much work at tight end that it's almost for me a waste to take him at seven overall when I think I could generate value later. You think that's fair assessment? No, definitely. I, I agree with you. And especially as we talk about, you know, the tight end position as a whole, we break it up into sort of tiers here. And like, you know, there's Travis Kelsey, you know, 1A for sure. And then you have, you know, Waller and Kittle can be right there. You know, Kelsey certainly has himself separated. But once you sort of get into like the middle grouping of those tight ends, like a lot of the fantasy production is similar. So I, you know, and you can agree or disagree with me when it comes to that, but I try to find guys that are clear separators. So in this sense, like sure, Kelsey's definitely a separator above the group, but because there's so many other tight ends that are sort of just have the ability to be this, you know, one of the top scorer scoring tight ends of the week every week. Like I don't feel the need to spend up there. Like if I can just pick a guy in the middle rounds that has a top five tight end week potential every week, like I'm okay with, with a guy like that in my lineup going in the middle rounds as opposed to spending up. So Kelsey is someone that I won't find myself taking in the first round either. If he's somewhere in the middle of the second and I'm working on some sort of like uh stack where with the, uh, with the chiefs, then I can, I could certainly do it. You know, in the second round coming around the, the, the wheel here, Austin Eckler, when the first pick in the second round, Joe Mixon, Antonio Gibson went third, Calvin Ridley went fourth. I took Steph on Diggs with the fifth pick in the second round, and then Aaron Jones went sixth in that in the second round there. Austin Eckler is kind of an interesting one here, Coop, because it was actually debated on Sirius XM Radio on one of the other shows. I believe it was I believe it was Jeff Mann said he thinks Austin Eckler in a PPR league could be a top three fantasy producer this year. Is, is that a bold take for you, or one that you've kind of thinking possible? You know, I think that it, it is possible because we've seen in the past, I mean, there's when you look at the list of running backs that are capable of getting 100 targets or who have gotten 100 targets, it's not a big list at all. And it's Austin Eckler's on the list. You know, 2019, he had 100 targets. I mean, if you look at some of the guys, it's, you know, McCaffrey, you have Matt Forte and, you know, Larry, the guy from the cardinals that escapes me now oh was it the fullback yeah the fullback actually got 100 targets there larry yeah we'll have to fill him in there but uh, yeah but so larry centers larry centers yeah larry centers yeah yeah so but i mean it's not a huge list of guys man it, i guess jd mckissick's on it now but you know so in full ppr austin eckler i like it a lot in this format where it's half ppr not sure i you know i love him there i i personally have joe mixon ahead of him but i also have joe mixon ahead of everybody pretty much so for me i'm taking mixon probably in the end of the first so i love that pick there but eckler i don't mind him here i also in this situation if we're kind of operating under the assumption that aaron Rodgers is going to play for the packers which i personally am i'm taking aaron jones ahead of antonio gibson at the very least so i think that uh good value there for Aaron Jones, but for you personally, the Stephon Diggs pick is a great pick. I mean, you can't really miss there. I have I have Diggs over Ridley, so it's kind of this round. I mean, I don't really feel any picks here are terrible, but I would just swap a couple. I'd take Jones over Antonio Gibson. I have Diggs over Ridley, but you know, do you, do you think Ridley, is, you know, is largely impacted, you know, by Julio being gone here? Like we saw him obviously have 
huge gains in Julio out, you know, but do you bump him up as high as the third wide receiver off the board, fourth wide receiver off the board with no Julio, given the guys, you know, the other wide receivers, I guess, that were taken behind him? You know, what's your opinion now of, of Calvin Ridley with Julio out of the picture? Yeah, I don't personally, because we've, uh, we saw some big games, obviously, but we also saw some games where he struggled when he was the top guy and the other team had a top corner. So you look at, uh, for instance, the Packers game when Julio was out, and uh, Jair Alexander was covering him. Ridley had zero catches. I was just saying, zero 0.0, Mr. Blutowski. So that is a little concerning, knowing that, you know, he's going to be going up against Marshawn Lattimore two games. I mean, not something that we've seen yet. The volume is obviously going to be there, but I think it's kind of a, and it's kind of weird to say this, but I think it's kind of a neutral, where he's already kind of operating close to the target ceiling. He's probably going to get more targets now, but he's also going to face tougher coverage. I didn't really uh, move him too far in my rankings. I moved Kyle Pitts up a lot because I think the second guy on the team is going to now acquire a lot more targets. But I really think that Ridley was kind of already operating close to his ceiling. He's a good pick, but for me, I'm going with Diggs. Everything is the same for Diggs that it was last year. I mean, Switch out John Brown with Emmanuel Sanders. Who cares? It's, you know, pretty even swap, if you ask me. Everything else is largely the same. So, for me, I, you know, Diggs is just such a safe pick. So, I, I would prefer se- Diggs. Second half of the, se- of the second round here. DK Metcalf, Najee Harris, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Darren Waller, DeAndre Swift, and A.J. Brown close out the second half uh, of this second round. What's your take with Waller going in the second round? Again, I know you talked about Kelsey. Do you have the same sentiments uh, of Waller, you know, going this early, you know, being able to identify, you know, talent later, or do you think that Waller is worthy of a second round ADP? So that's the interesting one for me because I do have Waller ahead of Kittle. I know some people still have Kittle ahead, but I think Waller plays more of a a wide receiver role. We know that Kelsey played more snaps at wide receiver than he did at tight end. Some people might might not know that, but, you know, he paid 500 and change snaps at wide receiver, only 400 and change at at tight end. And Waller plays the same way, whereas Kittle is more of an inline guy. Now they have other weapons. I personally don't. You know, like I said, I don't take Waller there because there's a couple guys that I would take before him. But I do take Waller in, you know, if he's there in the third round and it's between Waller Waller and Kittle, I will take him. Because I think he does offer that advantage, you know, above and beyond the rest of the crowd. So, I, again, if somebody else wants to take Waller there, I don't mind it at all. I, you know, and for the rest of the picks of this, this round here, I do like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Najee Harris is fine, but I, I don't take him that early. And I wrote a whole article on why I won't be taking DeAndre Swift in the second round. So if you Is DeAndre uh, Swift on your draft board at all? Like what what does it take for you to be interested in DeAndre Swift this year? He is, yeah. I mean he is, but he's like he's a guy that I, I don't take until all the guys that are on good teams and have the full role are gone. And the problem with that is Chris Carson is a guy who is on a good football team. He They just not only paid him, but they added you know a void third year, the dreaded extra year there to make sure that they bring him back and spread out his cap hit. You know, they didn't pick up Rashad Penny's fifth-year option. So, you know, when you have a good team that likes to run the football, they've committed to this guy, versus a bad team who, you know, has a brand-new coaching staff and they bring in Jamal Williams. He's one of the best pass-blocking backs in the league, and Swift is ranked, you know, running back 108 in pass blocking. Again, I wrote a whole article on, on that situation. I can't take Swift until those guys are gone. And it's just by the nature of the way ADPs go, you know, I, I 
once I have Swift behind Carson, I pretty much right. am, I'm never drafting him. You know? Never drafting him. Yep, yeah. that's fair. The the start of the third round is where the wide receiver run begins. You know, we know that these drafts tend to go very running back heavy early on. The first pick in the third round is a guy that I absolutely love and still just can't believe he even went in the third round. DeAndre Hopkins, Michael Thomas, Justin Jefferson, George Kittle, Keenan Allen, Terry McLaurin, and Allen Robinson. So those are the first seven picks, all pass catchers. In that third round, Kittle, the alone tight end. You know, anybody here that you like more than others? Is there anybody that you're not as interested or as high on? I, I kind of have a little regression fear on Justin Jefferson, just based off how fantastic he was as a rookie. You know, personally, you wonder about Michael Thomas there. You now, third round value for a guy that, you know, was that first round wide receiver just last year. You know, quarterback uncertainty seems to be impacting him there. You know, what's your take on, on that run of receivers? I, so I think these six picks, like I looked at these when I was going through and I was like, this is the best value pocket, I think, of the draft here. You know, like you said, DeAndre Hopkins, slam dunk. Michael Thomas, Thomas honestly, I, I wasn't high on him, but Josh Larkey from Player Profile has been putting out a lot of stuff on him. And the more I look at it, it's, you know, he has been good with all these bad quarterbacks. He's been good with Taysom Hill, you know, and if he gets Jameis Winston, who's, you know, just slings the ball over the field, I don't see why he'd be a problem. With Justin Jefferson, he falls into the same kind of category that I have with with Calvin Ridley, where I think that the so like previously with or sorry for me with now with AJ Brown, where I look at AJ Brown and Julio Jones, and we don't know what the target distribution is going to be. It should be you know they're both getting a fourth of the team's targets. Though. Mm-hmm. You know I look at that with Justin Jefferson, and Adam Thielen, and I think that Jefferson should be going ahead of Thielen, but I don't think that the target distribution is going to be as crazy split. As people think, like, why is Adam Thielen going at pick 50-something while Jefferson's going at pick 20-something when last year Jefferson had a target distribution of, you know, 26% and Thielen was 25%. Like, I know he had less yards, and I know he's a little bit older, but, I mean, it's largely circumstantial. And one of the big things that I looked at was the first game of the season, Jair Alexander. This is, again, Jair Alexander. He's a, he's a great guy to take it, like, when you look at these guys, you should be looking at you know Marcus Lattimore's and the James Bradbury's and saying, what happens when these guys go and face a team? Can they take a guy away? In um, the first game, he covered Adam Thielen. In the second game, he covered he covered Justin Jefferson for 14 snaps, and on those, Jefferson had two targets and caught one of them. So what happens next? Like everyone thinks that Jefferson is just amazing and Thielen sucks now. Well, don't defenses know that too? So aren't you going to see a shift in coverage in what they do? So I'm a little concerned that this year, like last year, Kyle, Kyle, Kyle Fuller, I know he wasn't great, but for the Bears, he covered Thielen in both games. So, you know, I know he's gone from the Bears, but whoever the Bears' best corner is, is that, are they going to put him on Thielen again? I don't think so. So that's where I look at that and I say, well, you know, let's, I, would, I would love to see a full year of him doing it against the best coverage, you know? Yeah, I'm with you 100% there. Again, second half of that group, I like Keenan Allen pretty much every single year, regardless. You know, like the dude just falls out when he stays healthy, fine by me. McLaurin, get an old school quarterback. Ryan Fitzpatrick to throw the ball downfield all season. I think that's going to be an upgrade for him over Alex Smith for sure, as long as Fitzy can stay healthy and, and out there. So all of that works for me. Allen Robinson, don't know what to do with that. If Andy Dalton's a QB, you know, I know Robinson has been successful with bad quarterbacks. So like, is it really something that you think Coop is going to be impacted there? Like, you know, what's your A-Rob take? I like A-Rob. I mean, I like, like this whole group of guys, and that's why I, I draft running backs early, because I'll take kind of almost any one of these guys. You know what I mean? And I think mm-hmm. I, 
I would consider a. I would. I have Keenan Allen over Jefferson and all these guys. So, like you said, Keenan Allen just so rock solid. Got a great quarterback. He's perennially only twenty seven or twenty eight. I feel like he's been somewhere in there for five years now, right? Yeah. So I like any of those guys there. And a Rob, you know, he's been good with bad quarterbacks, and I think Trubisky now going to be a backup quarterback. Like I think even Dalton is an upgrade, to be honest with you. So I'm I'm on board there too. All right, second half of the set of the third round here. I went Patrick Mahomes, first quarterback off the board. Your guy, Chris Carson, like you just mentioned, he went. David Montgomery went. J.K. Dobbins, someone that you just had a tweet go basically viral about. And then Amari Cooper, who I knew you were big on in best ball that we've talked about there. Any surprise picks for you? Yeah, I mean, so Mahomes, I love the pick Mahomes for you there. And I actually sent a tweet out about it today about, you know, guys that there's no negative takes on. Like, there's you can always feel comfortable taking those guys. And that's why, even though I don't take Kelsey, people, I'm cool with people taking Kelsey because there's no negative takes on Kelsey. There's no negative takes on McCaffrey. There's no negative takes on Patrick Mahomes. So even in the second round, I mean, if you're getting a guy that you know, like you pretty much know he's going to be good. So, and it kind of crosses that off the board for you. Yeah, for I already... me, I, and I said this the last time we talked. I try to find guys that I think have the, the ability to be the number one player at their position. And I know like everybody talks about that when they go into their drafts. But, like, I feel like if you look at some of the other picks that have happened so far, you know, it's unlikely that, you know, some of those guys you just know aren't going to be the number one player, you know, at at their position when when we're drafting. So I know it's a best ball, so it matters a little bit less because guys fill in every week. And, you know, any week someone can outscore a player. But, you know, Diggs, I think, can be the number one overall wide receiver. I think Elliott has the ability to be the number one uh, running back. And Mahomes, for me, you know, is the number one quarterback. So I like just liking locking up the guys that have the potential to be the number one player at their position. Yeah, and it's great in this in this particular format because uh, you only get 16 guys, right? So once you take Kelsey, once you take Patrick Mahomes, now you only need to take two quarterbacks. You only need to take two tight ends, and that lets you expand to other positions. If you wait on tight end, you should you, then you have to take three because right. you know once you, your guy gets hurt or gets it's like if you take Kelsey, if you take Mahomes and he gets hurt, you're you're done anyway. So right. you know what I mean? It's like the what did the coach used to say about when they asked him. Uh, about Peyton Manning's backup. They're like, what's the plan with why? Why does Manning take all the reps in practice? They're like, if Peyton Manning gets hurt, we're screwed. Son. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, it's like you, you put yourself in that position where you, you know, you take Mahomes and then you look at the next thing when you take your second quarterback, you just make sure he's starting and he doesn't have the same bye week. So, right. I, I do, I do like doing that in these, these formats. Dobbins. So, I did just have that tweet on Dobbins that, you know, Dobbins fans didn't like. I said he was, I said More he was expensive Raheem Mostert. Raheem Mostert. Yeah. Which, might have been a little bit of embellishment slight inflammatory but it got the people talking <laughs> got the people going yeah i mean but the thing with the thing with that is this is the one format where i do like jk dobbins he's super fast he has a crazy breakaway run rate like 40 percent of his yards came from breakaway runs that means that 40 percent of the yardage he he accumulated on the season came on runs over 15 yards so he's taking the ball and he's scampering the issue that i have is that he only had 10 runs on third or fourth down. Gus Edwards and Lamar Jackson combined for over 70 of those. So it's basically like they put him out there on first and second down. If he doesn't get the job done, then they go to the big dogs to to get the, the rest of the yardage. And, you know, Dobbins might have been able to mask that a little bit with some some scoring from five, six yards out in the red zone. But when push comes to shove, if there's a pass interference in the end zone, 
they're probably not going to send J.K. Dobbins down to punch it in. It's going to be Lamar or Gus Edwards. And that's why in a redraft league, I'm a little scared to plug him into my lineup knowing that it just could be a game where one of the other guys gets the points, you know. But in this format, I like Round four, I went with Mike Davis with my pick here, getting my second running back. This round had th- four running backs taken. Miles Sanders and Travis Etienne actually went ahead of me taking Mike Davis, which I thought was interesting. And then Josh Jacobs was the end of the fourth round. Other than that, this round was full of wide receivers. Chris Godwin, C.D. Lamb, Mike Evans, D.J. Moore, Jamar Chase, Robert Woods, Tyler Lockett, Julio Jones, like... You know, some big names here falling into the fourth round. Guys we've seen generally go earlier. You know, Mike Evans has gone sooner. Julio Jones, of course, has gone earlier. You know, what's your overall take of the round four? Any surprises, any guys you would expect to, you know, surprise they fell? Yeah, I mean, you know me. I'm like aggressively conservative early. And then later on, I get really aggressive. So in the first four rounds, I'm still in conservative mode. So I'm not going to be the guy taking... Uh, CeeDee Lamb, who, you know, he only played 64% of the snaps last year. He wasn't out there in two wide receiver sets the way Chris Godwin was. So it's interesting to see them go back to back. I think once Gallup's gone, that's when we see the CeeDee Lamb explosion. I mean, it could happen this year, but like that's when it's really going to happen. So you won't see me take Lamb. You won't see me take uh, ETN. You won't see me take Jamar Chase. In compared to these other guys. I mean, Robert Woods is in a perfect position with uh, Matt Stafford there. I love him. I love so, yeah. I love, I, just, him. I love him every year, but this year, again, with a better quarterback, it feels like, you know, a good spot for him. Right. So, yeah, you won't you, you won't see me do that just because. And, and then, again, another one would be Josh Jacobs, where it's, you know, this is best ball, where you want boom-bust guys. I mean, he's kind of now playing the running, running down backside. He's basically... Yeah. Damian Harris, or I guess the upside would be Nick Chubb with Kareem Hunt, but they don't have that kind of rushing offense. So, and it's funny because last year he was all about you know all those receptions. Remember that like his narrative? He's like, I'm going to be like a 50 catch guy or or something mm-hmm. like that. And and then they bring in Kenny and Drake this year, and basically that role has gone for him. But somebody that is known for catching the football, Kareem Hunt was the first pick in the fifth round here. Coop, I took Deontay Johnson with my pick, the eighth pick in this in this round. You know, without you know sparing everybody the entire list, who are the stand picks here from round five for you so the big the big standout here i think there's a lot of pretty good picks here but the big standout for me is kyle pitts went in this round and he went before tj hawkinson and mark andrews we're both kyle pitts guys now Mm -hmm. that he's a top two guy but in his offense but you also have to remember that targets in this league are earned it's an earned statistic he's a rookie he hasn't played yet so for me i still got to go with hawkinson and andrews before pitts so if hawkinson and if this round went hawkinson andrews in the beginning and then pitts the end of the round i'd say fine that's where you got to take pitts if you want them but taking pitts before those two guys just not going to do it myself. I like the Deontay pick. I love Adam Thielen. So I'm the Adam Thielen article coming out this week. Justin I'm not sure. Fensterman taking the Adam Thielen there with the 10th pick in the fifth round. I hate having to compliment Fensterman. You know, it's it's a shame. But, I'll, you know, got to give credit where credit's due. That was a guy that he had targeted there for sure. He loved the touchdown upside. I don't know. You know, do you think all those touchdowns are repeatable for Adam Thielen? What, he had 14 last year? Let me tell you right now, that's the big like bugaboo for people. They think, oh yeah, the touchdowns. He doesn't even need the touchdowns. He was tight. He was wide receiver in this format, half point PPR. He was in points per game because he had COVID, so he missed one game. He was a wide receiver seven. And right now on this board here, he's going what? Is that wide receiver twenty something? It's yeah. And that you know, it, it's like, like it's insane. He had a ninety six percent snap share a 100% route participation. Every single time they threw the football when he was in when he was part of the game, he ran a route. He had a 25% target share. And they threw the ball less than any other team 
Now they say they're going to throw the ball more. I mean, the floor is so high for this guy because they they only use two pass catchers. I mean, who'd they bring in? Amir Smith-Marset. They let Rudolph go and drafted some half-tight end punter in the fifth round. I mean, it's just going to be the two guys again. So I'm all for Thielen there. Earth Smith season, baby. Earth season, you know? Maybe, yeah. I mean, maybe hedge it because, I mean, there's three guys that can catch the football on that team and, you know, the – all the balls going to be going to all of them. So right. somehow Thielen gets hurt because he's 31 or whatever, then it's Irv Smith to the moon. Round six feels like it has a ton of potential in this draft. We're talking bounce back seasons, potentially from Odell Beckham Jr., Cortland Sutton, Kenny Galladay, all going in the sixth round of this draft. James Robinson going two rounds after Travis Etienne was taken in, in this best ball draft. Dak Prescott, of course coming off of his injury there, you know, Tyler Boyd, Ray Mostert, you know, notable names here in this draft. Kyler Murray also going two quarterbacks taken here in round six. You know, what's your take on that wide receiver group? Again, a lot of guys looking to bounce back from disappointing seasons last year. I like, so the first four wide receivers that went Odell, Sutton, Ayuk, Galladay. This is exactly where you take those guys. Love all those picks. I love the Kyler Murray pick. I love the Dak Prescott pick. I actually have Des- Dak as my QB three. So this is. Do you have you him know, ahead of Lamar or ahead of Jam- uh, Josh Allen? I have him ahead of Lamar Jackson. Okay. So yeah. I, I have yeah. Okay. I go yeah. No, I go Mahomes, Allen, Dak, Kyler, Lamar personally. But you know they're all good there. But I take whichever one's cheaper personally. I don't like the James Robinson. I mean, I the thing is, I guess I do like James Robinson considered where ETN went. I mean, this is kind of the spot where to take him. In general, I'm not really taking him. And I actually like where he, Melvin Gordon over Javante Williams. He's the starter. He was good last year. He ran 4.7 yards per carry. So I'm perfectly fine with someone else taking Javante Williams. And then I that's kind of been my strategy. I wait for someone to take Javante Williams, and then I take Melvin Gordon. So if I was in this draft, the next round, I'd be taking Melvin. You know, Robbie Anderson, Boyd, safe picks. And Raheem Mostert, maybe a little early for him, but he's another guy. He had the two fastest plays from scrimmage last year, right? right. Week week one and two. So If you think Mostert is a little early there at the end of the sixth round, Trey Sermon was the third pick in the seventh round. Do you feel like that's an early pick for him? Yeah, I mean, that and that's a... We know that that's a defined running back by committee. He Mm -hmm. he says himself, he says, I want to use the hot hand. That's what we do. You know, Cal Juszczyk, the fullback, said we have fun things planned for Raheem Mostert. He said he even talked about fantasy football when he talked about (laughs) it. He was like, I think he's going to be a guy. He he said, we haven't had a guy in a while that that was a first round caliber guy. And I think he could be that guy. So so I I like Mostert there. And that's kind of works the same way for me is that. People take Trey Sermon first usually, then I take most of you know, it's there's kind of picks like that where one guy usually triggers the other, you know? Yep. So I think that uh, I personally would like most of the two. And then for some of these other picks, I think that's a little high for Tony Pollard, but because, you know, I wrote about it in my Zeke article, you can find that fantasyalarm.com. Love Russell Wilson here. Last year, anyone that knows my stuff last year, I wasn't high on Dallas Goddard. This year I am because of, we're assuming Zach Ertz is gone. So I like that pick there. Herbert picks fine. Jalen Hurts is fine. I mean, this round is was pretty much, pretty much chalk. I just wouldn't go with Pollard in this format. Debo Samuel, his, you know what his average depth of target was last year in Denver? I don't. It was two point two yards. I was gonna say they used a lot of screens and like sweeps with him. So like, like that was his value. So that's like there are a number of running backs that had better average depth of targets <laughs> than that. You know, it's like two yards. It, those are handoffs basically. So I know he can do better than that. I know they have other plans for him, but in this format where your goal is to, you know, you want explosive 
plays. You you know, field stretchers are great. We talk about Amari Cooper as a guy, you know, he scores 30 points and the next week he pulls your pants down. Right. That's fine. That's fine in this format. You don't have to set your lineup. It's all retroactive. So you get the 30-point games. You don't get any of the four-point games. So conversely, I'm not as interested in the Tyler Boyds or the Debo Samuels because, you know, Getting does, six, uh, seven points doesn't crack the lineup sometimes. Does Curtis Samuel fill that mold for you at all? Curtis Samuel now in, in Washington. You know, he was the guy that last year in Carolina, of course, used in a lot of different roles. He carried the football, definitely was a guy that he threw short and hoped to allow him to create in space. You know, what's your take with him now? He was in the eighth, uh, you went in the eighth round of this draft. Yeah, he went the next round. Yeah. So, I mean, they all, those guys all fall into a bucket for me where I think that, you know, low A dot. Going to get the targets, you know, top two target on the team, even though we don't know for sure if Boyd's going to be, but they use a lot of three wide receiver sets. Like those guys all fall into a a big bag for me where I don't really, I can't tell you for sure that Tyler Boyd's going to be better than Curtis Samuel. So I'm not going to be the one that takes Tyler Boyd or Debo Samuel or Jerry Judy for like, so first. So in this draft, it goes Boyd for slot guys, right? Low A dot slot guys. It goes Boyd, Judy, Debo, Juju, and then coming back, it goes Curtis Samuel and Jarvis Landry, right? Out of all, out of those guys, I don't particularly put any of them that much higher than the others. So in this situation, I'd be happy to wait and take Jarvis or Curtis Samuel. They're both going to be top two targets on their team. I mean, same situation that Jerry Judy or Juju are in. I mean, Juju might not even be a top two target. People seem to like Claypool and Deontay Johnson, you know, so... For me, that's kind of the way I look at it. Is I say, okay, you know, I'm not going to be the first one to take one of these slot guys because there's a there's seven of them. Do you think people are just a glutton for punishment when I'm seeing Tyler Higby begin to trend again among the fantasy football Twitter? They, they are in for a world of pain, man. <laughs> I, I might have to just, I, I, you know, what? that's why uh, I was one of the people that was saying, oh, you know, where are the articles on our new website? Because my one of my articles hadn't been uploaded yet because I wanted to take the Higby section and say, hey. During that 2019 season when Gerald Everett was out, he wasn't he wasn't amazing. He was still blocking on 20 on 20% of his pass plays, one of every five pass plays. And basically, if you look at those games, there's the worst tight end defenses in the league. The Cowboys had already won the game and they were just throwing dump down to, to Higby for like seven yards on third and ten. Like those game like he is not a focal point of the offense. And he, he likely will never be. So it's for me, Higby, I I do not see the appeal. So well, Nothing. I took well, I took Dallas Goddard in round seven. In round nine, went a tight end that I really had considered uh, taking, and that was Logan Thomas. What do you think of Logan Thomas this year with Fitzpatrick? I mean, he was targeted a bunch last year in Washington. Are you as high on him as maybe I am? Do you think that there's some potential for him to be as effective as he was last year? So my concern with Logan Thomas is that he played 700 snaps at wide receiver and only 300 at tight end. Basically, I think they wanted Kelvin Harmon to play that role. He got hurt. They didn't really have a lot of other guys. So they used, you know, creatively used J.D. McKissick and Logan Thomas. Him, McLaurin, and McKissick all got over 100 targets. But now that they have Samuel, I'm a little concerned that there's not really enough targets for all three to get 100. I in this range, I like him, but I think people are smart to look at it and say, okay, this guy's probably not going to be tight end four or five like he was last year. So I think this is the range where it's fine to take him, but in a one tight end league, I'm not taking him and saying, oh, I have my tight end now, I'm all set. Like, I, I'm concerned that he isn't going to be a top two target on that team, which means, you know, he doesn't have the top five, six upside. 
Are there are there any standout picks maybe the next couple rounds here for you that you know that you're at least targeting that you feel maybe has fallen a little bit further than they should? You know, for me, I've been all over Michael Pittman. I got him in round ten. I think that there's a lot of good potential there where Carson Wentz now. You know, with the Colts, we're hearing a lot of you know a lot of positive feedback from their camp and how well he's throwing the football and he has a good offensive line now. Unlike last year, where you know I wrote an article just basically how bad that Eagles offensive line was. And it wasn't all of Carson Wentz's fault. So that's a guy that I've been targeting. But, you know, anybody here, you know, rounds 10, 11, that's kind of jumping out to you that you you really like? Yeah, so in this wide, in this eight, eight first the eight nine range here i do like melvin gordon like i mentioned before we don't you know we don't know for sure what's going to happen there and oftentimes you know you draft a guy and he ends up being the the backup or a an ancillary piece so i like i like michael pittman i also like mike williams in this format because you know they both should be top two targets on their team and mike williams is a guy that best balls his format he only makes amazing plays but you know that is why i took him yeah (laughs) so i like mike williams will fuller is another best ball guy i also like doing taking a couple guys in this range here michael gallup and antonio brown because in those offenses we don't know for sure who the two wide receivers are going to be in two wide receiver sets last year it was amari cooper and Gallup. they might just do that again and with the the buccaneers we know brady loves antonio brown we, you know it could be a little chip off chris godwin chris godwin's been my baby in, in fantasy and everywhere he's been awesome but i'm a little wary that with antonio brown being there full for the full year it could take away a little bit antonio brown was a he scored a touchdown a game for the end of the season through the playoffs, you know? So I do like Antonio Brown at that value. Stafford. I like, I mean, when you look at these quarterbacks, Stafford should be going probably a little bit before, you know, like Trey Lance. I mean, that's, (laughs) that pick is a little bit, a little bit crazy to me, you know, and and Rogers good value at this point, you know, don't really. And and I look at the, but the big thing for me is I look at these running backs and that's why I'm focusing on running back early because I don't want to have, Gus, you know, it's like Melvin Gordon goes here. It's like I don't want to have Gus Edwards, Damian Harris, you know, Michael Carter. We don't even know anything about uh, Zach Moss is in his there last year. They split pretty evenly, but Singletary was the guy on passing downs. Leonard Fournette, you know, he's up and down. I mean, he did register one of the fastest plays again last year, and but he's kind of a head case. So it's like. Yeah. For, for me, and I, t- I talked about this on Alarm After Hours yesterday, it's like we did the fan vote segment and it was, you know, who's the backup? And, and basically the, the idea of that segment was, you know, who is like a handcuff and who is a guy that has standalone value that is that is that has the ability to actually make an impact on your best ball team? So someone like a Naeem Hines, who his role is to be on the field on third down and catch the football, and occasionally he even gets red zone work. You know, he doesn't need an injury to Jonathan Taylor to have value, right? Like he just has his own standalone value. And I feel that way about like guys like Jamal Williams. You mentioned Devin Singletary. You know, those guys have their own defined roles in their offense that allow him, allow them to have the opportunity to score fantasy points and be productive. It's not an Alexander Madison who needs Dalvin Cook to get hurt to all of a sudden to be valuable. So when it comes to best ball formats, like short later in rounds, you know, if you want to take, you know, the dart throw on a guy's actual handcuff, you know, in case of an injury, like that's fine. But for me, I'm looking for guys that can score their own fantasy points on a week to week basis and have the ability to crack my starting lineup. Bingo, man. That you said you said it exactly right. And that's why I like uh, Kenyon Drake here too. And so I wrote the best the a best ball running back strategy article that's on Fantasy Alarm now, and you'll see that two things I say, because best ball is, you know, that explosive play format. 
I say look at the 40 times. Go and look at the next-gen NFL stats and see who had the fastest plays. And on that list is guys you were just saying, you know, uh, Naheem Hines. We talked about Mostert earlier. We, uh, Kenyon Drake had the third. So Mostert had the two fastest plays. Drake, Kenyon Drake had the third, and I think Naheem Hines at the fourth. So these are guys that in any given week, yeah, put them on your roster. You don't have to put the, put them in the lineup, and if they have a 70-yard touchdown, you get it. If Naheem Hines runs a punt back for a touchdown, you get those points on this website. So I like those guys a lot versus, like, A.J. Dillon, who's like, you know, Hey, hey, I'm a big AJ Dillon fan. I know I, I'm hopeful I'm hopeful that Jamal Williams being gone now is opening up the door for those quads. You know, quadzilla there, right? You know, like how are we supposed to go ahead and, and get past that? Yeah, I, I mean they're they are his quads are ridiculous. Sorry, I was distracted as the Bruins just scored. Bruins just scored. Yeah, yeah, I saw. Well. Yeah. Right, we're watching. We're watching as we're recording. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. Coop and, and I, of course, both from Massachusetts. So big Boston Bruins fans here. Game six against the Islanders. Yeah, I apologize. We were rooting for Brad Marshan, who just scored a goal right now. I know the rest of the country doesn't really love him, but we got to pull for our guy. And speaking of looking at this, we're going to make sure this this mock draft is available so that people can can pull yeah, it up. Yeah, it's already been tweeted out, but we'll definitely retweet the draft. Yeah. You know, as we're you know, you're listening to this now, but the draft board will already been tweeted, so you'll be yeah. able to follow this along while we're going. So you can see who we're talking about, who was drafted, when was drafted, you know, and and things like that. Other guys going later in this round, you know, and this is again, we're we're approaching the end of the draft. There's only 18 rounds in here, so this is where you're. Starting to take some of those dark throws, some of those home run hitters, guys that you're hopeful that have an opportunity to crack through. You know, I saw you have a conversation about, I believe I saw you. You tweet so much, I get confused on who who tweets what these days. But did you mention something about Emmanuel Sanders and Gabriel Davis? Was that was that you that had that conversation? Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. So that one for me is so you look at what happened here, and here's a here's a quick uh, rundown for anyone who doesn't know is that John Brown was owed around $9 million, right? And he only had like 1.6 million in dead cap. So they ended up releasing him. He goes and signs for 3.75 million. So you have to imagine that conversation was had where they said, hey, John, we are gonna have to cut you, man. We can't pay you, but you know, maybe we'll give you 5 million or 4 million. John Brown said no, ended up settling for 3.7. I mean. You have to assume that they didn't offer him more than that because he would have fired. We would have seen that he fired his agent. You know, right. they offered him a seven, and he and he ended up signing for three point seven five. Instead, what they do is they sign Emmanuel Sanders for six million, right? So you basically had not John Brown for nine million, and you have one point six million in dead cap from Brown plus six million from Emmanuel Sanders. They didn't really even save any money going from Brown to Emmanuel Sanders. John Brown last year was playing 80 to 90% of the snaps when he was healthy. So he it was him and Diggs out there pretty much every snap. And then they would run Cole Beasley and bring out Gabriel Davis or four wide receiver sets. They ran the second most four wide receiver sets behind only the Cardinals. So these guys, they're throwing a ton, ton of wide receivers out there. And they brought in Emmanuel Sanders to play the flanker role opposite of Stephon Diggs. And they paid him decent money to do it. So for me... In this format especially, I'll definitely take a shot on Emmanuel Sanders. I mean, you could stack Emmanuel Sanders and because they're going to use three wide receivers, right? And mm-hmm. Beasley's the slot guy. You could stack Emmanuel Sanders and Gabriel Davis both for free and pretty much guarantee yourself some sort of production. So I'm all for that move. If we like, if we love Josh Allen and we do, right. then stack those two guys. They're going to be playing flanker, you know? 
Yep, Davis. So Gabriel Davis went in round 14. Emmanuel Sanders went in round 16. Another wide receiver that went in round 14 was Burchard Perriman. And I had taken Tyrell Williams in round 18. This is also a recent tweet of yours and also to towards an article. I think you included in your wide receiver article for best ball and something we touched upon even in a recent podcast is, you know, if you don't know who the number one wide receiver is going to be and you have late round guys, you know, you can take them both and you can take a stab at either one. I got Tyrell cheaper than Burchard. They're paying Tyrell Williams more money, <laughs> you know? So like, right, where, yeah. you know, it's so gonna, who's the one? Who's the more valuable? Interesting that, that Tyrell Williams is a convergence of those two things we were talking about. You know, it's like Tyrell's getting 4 million. Burchard's getting 2.5 million. I mean, Tyrell's 6'4". You know, it's like money talks in this league. You know, it's these, they're not just giving away money. It's, you know, so for me, I'm, I'm all about, I'm taking Tyrell first, you know, but to the other point is you, you look at the Panthers last year, right? And it was a new coach, new quarterback. We thought DJ Moore would get the most targets, but he didn't. Robbie Anderson did. Turns out Robbie Anderson, you know, played for that rule at Temple and they were like best friends and, you know, the, everything was spread out a bit. There's a few of those opportunities within the league. You know, the Lions, of course, is the one you just mentioned. It's a brand new coach. It's a brand new quarterback. None of these guys played together. So we have no idea who's going to be the top target there. So why not take a stab at these late rounds on Perriman, Tyrell Williams? I'm interested in the uh, Quintez Cephas. And I guess also Amon Ross St. Brown as a rookie. I know people seem to like him, but he's going to play a slot role. And I don't think he's going to be particularly good, but that's another story. But, you know, the other three teams, of course, would be the Jaguars, Urban Meyer, Trevor Lawrence, brand new coach, brand new quarterback, the Jets, coach, quarterback, and the Texans, assuming there's no Deshaun Watson, brand new coach, brand new quarterback. We have no idea what they're going to do. So, you know, that's the uncertainty in these deep rounds is a place that you can capitalize, really. That's my thoughts on it. Yeah, I, I like that a lot. And then the last question, just because we're both Patriots fans here, both John R. Smith and Hunter Henry went in round 15, Coop. Pick one. Pick both. I don't know. Who do you think is going to be the better one? I personally think, I mean, it's so tough with this team. And that, that just speaks to the Patriots as an organization. And I know Brian Flores is doing that too now, where they just keep their mouth shut, which I am so surprised when teams come out and say, hey, this is what we're going to do this season. You know what I mean? Like you see it all the time. They're like, yeah, love this guy. This is what we're doing. I prefer to have my team not tell us. So I think that Hunter Henry is going to play like the inline Gronk role. I think Jonu Smith is going to play more of an Aaron Hernandez type role, roving around a little bit, blocking as the second tight end, playing a little fullback. You know, it's hard to say in best ball who's going to be better because I think Jonu does get some screens and some things. He's very, he's a speedy guy, but I think Hunter Henry is going to be more steady guy. And I personally have Hunter Henry first. He's, you know, statistically been the better pass catcher their entire career so far. So for me, it's Henry first and then Jonu. But again, in best ball, I, I just like the idea that, you know, all these other guys are going that have no shot to lead their team in targets. And one of these guys is likely to lead this team in targets, really, you know, unless you think it's Aguilar. I mean, I honestly, at this point, I have no idea. It no idea. certainly, you know, like it could certainly be any, any one of those guys. I know who it won't be. It won't be Julio Jones, unfortunately. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, crazy. Sad. But embrace. That's that's what I'm saying, though. It's like embrace the uncertainty in the deep parts of the rounds. It, like, forget, you know, in the beginning, you don't want any uncertainty. In the end, it's your friend, you know, like uh, throw, you know, throw your hat in the ring there. Guys that have a chance. Some of these guys that are getting picked here have no chance. Anthony Ferkser went ahead of Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith. The Ferkser game is over, my friends. I was the biggest Ferkser guy. Because he could have been the second target after A.J. Brown. They have Julio Jones now. They throw the ball less than any other team. Anthony Berkser, unfortunately, guys, got to let him go. 
Yeah, I'm with you on that one 100% there. Uh, Coop, any final thoughts on we wrap up this best ball breakdown of the draft that I did uh, the other day? Again, this draft board will be available for everybody to look at. Feel free to tweet at us. Let us know any picks that you like, don't like, disagree with. If you think my draft was great, if you think my draft sucked, if you want to do a best ball with me or Coop, feel free to let us know. We're definitely going to be running these as we head into the uh, regular season, of course. Any any wrap-up thoughts here for you, Coop? Yeah, I think we should we should definitely set up one with the listeners for and try and do it in like a couple of weeks from now and see how things change, you know, because it's it's so interesting how quickly things change and they really do. Like Darius Geis was going in like the fifth round last year and then all of a sudden he was out of the league by July. So things change pretty drastically. But, you know, I guess my advice would be looking at these last late round picks here is go for upside. Like don't like I love your, you picking Tyrell Williams here. That's a fantastic pick. Don't pick Van Jefferson. You know what I mean? He's not, you know, they have Robert Woods and Cooper Cup, and they brought in Deshaun Jackson, and they drafted 2-2 Atwell. You know, it's like, how many people need to get hurt for him to be a top-two target on his team? <laughs> you know, it's like, it right. needs to be some sort of accident or something. So I like the idea of picking Byron Pringle or, you know, not not Josh Reynolds. Josh Reynolds is another one where somebody took him here. The Josh Reynolds dream is kind of over, guys. Right. So. You know, I look at it and say, who could be a top top two target on their team? Or if there's a catastrophic injury, who could potentially, you know, be like top guy? So, you know, very last round is where I do consider like an Alexander Madison, where obviously if something happens, you just got a potential league winning player. So that's my thoughts on this these rounds, you know. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, but that's going to wrap up episode four here for Coop. You can get him on Twitter at Coop Fiasco. Follow me on Twitter at jmpemba777. We will catch you guys next week.